Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We are uh, had a little few technical difficulties okay. here. Our iPad that usually has our bumper music is... Uh, is dead. The battery's dead this morning, so we didn't have any bumper music. Um, but we're here on Mystery of Parenthood with you. Everything's okay, um, <laughs> and uh, I apologize for that. So, oh, no Trey, yeah, no, it's, uh, let's give us a welcome. Let's, be, yeah, welcome everybody. Um, again, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing what we were doing from last uh, week with regard to, to walking through heresies and um, and why they're important. We've um, we got a guest, but let's let's um, in addition to Thaddeus. But let's um, get uh, a prayer started here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 St. John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us. us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, you know, last week we were talking about, well, first, we have we have Adam here. <laughs> Adam Adam's here with us as well as Thaddeus, and um, we're going to talk today or continue on as dads, um, talking about the importance of us knowing what heresies they are, so that we can know what's true, but also to know why it's important to hold those those things. Because as I, if you recall last week, if it, we we began with this verse from Second Timothy, and it says uh, Saint Paul writing to. Second Timothy, I mean to Timothy in Second Timothy four, uh, three, he says, "For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths." I think we're always at <laughs> at that point where we have to we have to remember that he's talking we need to know what the truth is Mm -hmm. and i think there's a temptation frequently well first i've heard this my my son would get got involved in a conversation one of them with with somebody um who's a christian and they started going back and forth and on dogma or and Mm -hmm. doctrine and it would get kind of well. You know, here's the scripture that says this, and and all those different things, and and finally a, a parent came in and said, well, you know, I like I just want to, I think you just confuse things getting like this. I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus. Oh, yeah. And there's a temptation to think that 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 sounds good, and it is true, but Jesus came to reveal the the entirety of the truth about mm-hmm. who God is, and who we are as humans. 
And to water it, I mean, we can't really follow him. We can't really do what he does. And we can't even really have hope if we don't fully understand what he accomplished on the cross. If we don't get into these things, if the church for 2000 years has been fighting to hold on to the truth, it's because to fully follow Jesus, to be like him, we need to be aware of everything that he accomplished on the cross. And he accomplished everything on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's important. So I think there's a temptation now and frequently there is, is let's avoid this because if we can just agree that we're going to follow Jesus and yes, amen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But at the same time, um, to follow him is to have an encounter with him to understand who he is Mm -hmm. fully, not just, not just this vague idea of who Jesus is. Jesus came and revealed everything about himself. And so these heresies are all, are all things that attempt to attack and undermine some truth about Jesus, Mm -hmm. both in his Godhead and, and, and his humanity, um, that we have to kind of look at them and hold on and say, this is why it does ideas have consequences. Absolutely. Ideas have, um, they bear fruit, whatever the fruit is. And, and I think that it's important. We've lost sight of that. I think in this culture, we tend to dismiss things because, you know, that sounds good. You know, last night I was, my son had bought a, had bought a uh, sweatshirt and on it, I said, what does that say? It had a bunch of like, you know, some things that were teasers, like you couldn't tell what it was on mm-hmm. it. And it said, it said uh, something along the lines of objective reality often differs from um, perception. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he got it. <laughs> and I remember him saying, is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I said, well, in, in certain senses it is. But the reality is we often wear things or we'll listen to something and the initial response is, Oh yeah, that's true. We need to become people who reflect on ideas, reflect on thoughts, and what do they naturally lead us towards? Because I mm-hmm. think that's we're bearing the fruit of some ideas that are actually flow from some of these heresies that are. That, that's old. key. What you just said there. Yeah. What it leads us toward is that it's it's uh, investigating or trying to analyze, anticipate the in implications of a particular idea. If mm-hmm. we say X is true, well then what is what does that mean if we follow it to its logical conclusion or to its logical consequences? And it I, seems to me in this day and age, and I'll let Adam speak to this in a second, it seems to me in this day and age that we tend to be so focused on like, you know, making a living, what are we going to do to make money, those type of things mm-hmm. that that we tend to d- diminish or kind of put down this idea of thinking through ideas, thinking through the logic of an idea, thinking through, well, if, if that's the case, then this is the natural end that we mm-hmm. get to. Which, again, if you look at, like, say, um, Pope uh, Paul VI, right? We were uh, reading each other's minds. That's exactly what I was going to well, no, say. Well, no, so I, what were you going to say? I mean, because my, my thing is... Vitae is an excellent example of the following out the implications of a certain idea. Right, and so the proof, so like what I, what, I, what I think is important for us to understand is it, it, he was prophetic, not because like somehow he had seen the future. Mm-hmm. He's prophetic because he knew the truth and he knew the fact that if you dismiss that truth and, and 
grab onto something else's truth that this is the natural unfolding of that error. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we as parents, we as Christians should be able to say, okay, if, if we buy this, <laughs> this is kind of what we're going to get. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you think well, about that. I, I was just going to comment on uh, that shirt you brought up yeah. about lim- the, it's our perception kind of uh, dictates what is objectively real. And that, that reminded me of like a, a Buddhist kind of right. parable of like the elephant. And, you know, if you ask people on different sides of the elephant to describe the elephant, they might have different ways of approaching it or, or uh, describing it. But still. the elephant's still real. And so I, I was just thinking of this and just thinking about heresy in general and the nature of it. And, and there seems to be this undermining lack of, of trust in a more expansive vision than your own. Right. Uh, in a sense that, you know, in the early church, it was this rule of faith. It was this, this rule of faith that was central to safeguarding the truth because the truth is a person. The truth is relational. The truth is uh, how we get, to, like you were saying, getting to know God is is not a matter of just uh, personal perception. It's a matter of conforming our minds to a reality beyond ourselves. Right. And the minute we kind of take that into ourselves and think that we're not limited in the way we perceive things, we can we can actually try to fight for something that may be straying from that objective reality. It's possible, and it, and it seems like you know that's something that is connected with all heresy is that this intention to um, clarify something or to overemphasize something at the expense of something else. Right, and I think as, as Christians, um, I, I think, I mean, there is something simple about it. There are many people, you know, that, that'll, that'll use Christianity as like, you know, a set of rules or, hey, you know, if, we, if everybody lived this way, it would, wouldn't it be great? And the answer is yes, but that's to diminish what Christianity is. Right. Christ, Christianity is... is basing ourselves on the truth, who is a person, as you said, who is somebody that we can have a personal relationship with, who is engaged in, in our lives mm-hmm. and wants us to be engaged in his and be using what he's revealed about himself. It's more than just another philosophy of how to live. Mm-hmm. It is a relationship. It's an encounter with a person who is truth. That's right. And so... If he is truth, then every answer to every question that we would ever have about us, about what it means to exist, Mm -hmm. about who God is, he's the answer. Mm -hmm. So we have to realize that if God has existed for all this time and, and, and he's revealed as a trinity, that for Jesus to be the answer to that, to all those questions, you have to dive deeper than just, this is just some nice man who walked on this planet and, oh, by the way, happened to rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more to it than that. Yes. I mean, you can live a good life, but there's lots of other, I mean, I've had my other son who lives with an atheist say, well, you know, the, what he believes, I mean, he lives as good. I mean, in fact, he's nicer, mm-hmm. more well-behaved than a lot of Christians I know. Mm-hmm. And I said, but it's more, it's, that's not, that, that may indeed be true, but that's at a human level. What we're talking about is something that is, heaven coming into earth, living in us and enabling us to live something out in relationship with a real person who is truth, Mm -hmm. not a truth, who is truth. Yeah. And, and Peter Crave mentions that the survey he does with his freshman undergraduate students, he's a philosopher in Boston college. And he talks about how he asked them, like, how do you get to heaven? Or do you think you'll be in heaven and why? And 
the majority of them will say, well, I did this, or I, I lived in this way, and, and whatnot, but they don't, they fail to mention Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's you know, kind of touching on this reality that um, sometimes it's easy for us to, to stray from Jesus and think that it's all um, on our shoulders. Right. right. There's that marvelous tension in the, the greatest commandment. Mm-hmm. Love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength or your whole soul Mm -hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of times we kind of skip over that first part and you hear the love your neighbor. Well, an atheist, although they're not under that dictum, you might say, Mm -hmm. because they're not a professing Christian, or they might argue that. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, in us judging them or evaluating them, we are called to evaluate under that rubric. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, they're they're nail maybe they're nailing the love of your neighbor as your as yourself, but they're discarding the first half of the of the greatest commandment, and we're called as hum- Jesus says that we're called as human beings to to do both, mm-hmm. right? Right? Yeah, and, and we have to be we have to be able to meet them where they are because because if because the fact is, and even the church has said that sometimes the the shame of Christians is is how well people who don't have the whole truth and maybe have little to no of the truth mm-hmm. to none of the truth um, often live out in their day to day the the things that Christians should be doing as just a matter of being a Christian mm-hmm. and in fact they don't and so that's a, that is a something that should convict us but at the same time that does not if we just diminish Christianity to hey this is how you live well there's other people who can make claim to that, but yeah. there's nobody else that can make lay claim to the fact that what we believe about Jesus is that he is the second person of the most holy Trinity, that he has existed um, in his divinity. There's never was a time that he was not existing. He has existed mm-hmm. for eternity and he happened to enter in the time to reveal to us who God is, but to also, and we often forget this reveal to us, who we are. That's beautiful. I, I was just thinking that too, like we're discussing this when we think of our children and the implications of, say we, we have this, hey, bear it all on your own shoulders kind of mentality and it's all about what you do. This starts to sink your ship as you grow, you know, and, and it's just a sense of um, we have to make sure that our children understand that it's only in true freedom from um, this sense of because uh, we, we start to value ourselves based off of how we're doing things or how good we are at something. You know, it becomes that right. kind of way of thinking, and we need to be freed from that to realize that we need to receive from God uh, the grace to really uh, be who we're meant to be. It's that receptive posture that, that we need to have in our homes and in our lives. And I don't, I don't know. No, go ahead. I mean, if you're, I, I, the thing, that what you're making me think of is the fact that, that there's this this tension, we, we like to like, feel like we've got it, you know, mm-hmm. and some of it is part of the battle is recognizing we're sinners, recognizing mm-hmm. we're going to fall short mm-hmm. simultaneous to God's provided grace. And then mm-hmm. through first of all, truth and grace through Jesus Christ himself, but then through his church, through the sacraments, through the magisterium, the means by which we can actually become more like Jesus Mm. because grace is meant to elevate our nature, not merely to hide us from God, but actually to transform us. And 
th- those are some of the some of the heresies that we'll see yeah. and talk about today. Is you either go one way or the other. You mm-hmm. know, I got this, God, and, yep. and I'll ask for your help if I need it, yep. and I'll get there on my own. Or the other one that says, you know, I am totally worthless mm-hmm. and have no no value, and it's all. God, which again, there's partial truths. That's right to that's that. Right. So you you know, it's not like we're saying that's, but really, it's this tension that I think most of us feel uncomfortable living in. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we'd like to just grab a hold of something and right. do it, and it's it's almost this going back and forth. You know, somebody asked me about the church, and there's a great line in in the Vatican II documents is you know that the church is at once holy. And always in need of conversion. Well, how do you, you know, so we can't have, we do have sinners in the church. In yes. fact, we are, we are a household of sinners, right. but we're also holy because who we're connected with. Right. And that's a, that's a difficult kind of tension. Yes. And, and there's also this, in, in thinking of that, there's this mysterious element too, that, you know, we need to approach these things with reverence. Absolutely. And there's that both end. I, I know it's kind of cliche these days, but it's that both end kind of thinking that, Usually when you see somebody, I mean, there, there's example. I mean, there's definitely the limits word. to this, right? I mean, we're not going to say that the Trinity is both one God with three persons and, you know. Right. But, you know, there's limits to this. But for the majority of things, when it comes to, like, grace or free will, you know, we right. can't say this either or, either grace or free will. No, it's both grace and free will. And that gets to the heart of the Pelagian. Yeah. So we, so we'll go, I think we're, if we'll, we can just go back, start through this. Um and and look at it, and I think the way to frame it is kind of explain what it is, and then and the, and and then why did it get defined? We again we mentioned last week, and I think it's important to remember that the church, when it defines something, it's typically because it's been attacked. It doesn't mean that like all of a sudden mm-hmm. it believes something. Mm-hmm. It's it it more often than not, this is what we've always held, and now something is attempting to undermine it. Something's mm-hmm. attempting to to change it. And maybe he's even having some success mm-hmm. in in affecting the children mm-hmm. who are who are under the church and maybe drawing them away. And Absolutely. so we have to jump in at this point, church does, and say, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is what it is. And and again, as parents, we're not we're not the same as but we gotta we're not the same as God, but we gotta remember that we have to evaluate, and this is how we're like that, evaluate what's going on in our culture, what's going on with our children, what they're experiencing at the point they are. And those are the moments that we use to teach. Absolutely. We don't, we, we don't have to go out and ex- grab things out of nowhere to teach it. We just can, if we're involved, if we're watching, we can see errors that are coming via a TV show they're watching or via a friend that they hang out with or or just something that's happened in the culture and say, Hey, we need to address this because this is, this is, this is a problem. A couple things that happen with that. Number one, it shows the relevance of what we believe because it's mm-hmm. addressing an issue. Cause sometimes you can get caught up in the cloud, so to speak. And like, hey, what the heck does this have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. But when you can address an issue, it shows relevance, but then not that, not that, it, not that it means that the other truth that we have isn't relevant, mm-hmm. but it's a great teaching tool to, to have it intersect with real life. Yeah. And then it allows for instruction questions, you know, well, why, why is that? And go back using practical real life experience. Mm-hmm. So it was said, you know, when you have the, the mass shootings or something that that's a time 
appropriate for the, the age of the child. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't want to cause fear, but to say, okay, what underlies that problem? Hmm. What is, what is, what is, and begin a discussion with that. And then, well, how would a Christian look at that? Mm-hmm. Um, what would a true Christian, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? Mm-hmm. Um, those type of things. Does that make sense? So you mentioned Pelagianism. Let's, was that the next one? Let's Go start ahead. there. Tell, what do, what do we, what do we have from our article? What do you have on the Well, on I, I was going to uh, say a little bit of what I understand from Pelagius was, there, you know, his, his uh, main thing, the main error that he made was, was saying that original sin does not, the effects of original sin do not, be, they're not passed on to the following generations. So pretty much what this led to is, is looking at man as uh, being able in and of himself to lead a holy life. Um Apart from God's grace acting in his life, that wasn't everything that was in his teachings, but that was the implications that came out of his teachings by his followers. But there was also the sense of the reason why in which he was doing this was he felt in the time that people were overemphasizing man's like degradation, his like sinfulness, and his and he was trying, you know, like we say, the heresy is like usually overemphasizing something for the sake at the expense of something else. It was just trying to safeguard the dignity of man that led to this. Over time, right. this overemphasis of man's own power to to be sufficiently uh, to his actions to be sufficiently salvific, right? And so, I think, I mean, I think the when you when you talk about that, we have to be careful as parents when we try to correct something mm-hmm. to make sure that we hold it in the balance because there is a temptation to overemphasize. I think you see it. And I think and this is a this is maybe an overgeneralization, but I think it's probably fair. You'll see our Protestant brothers and sisters focusing on it's it's all Jesus it's all that but if you ask a catholic oftentimes how do you get to heaven well you know I've done all these good things mm-hmm. and really the answer is the collision of those right. two right. it's not it's not one over the other and i think sometimes it is exactly that it's mm-hmm. the it's the trying to uh make sure that we don't go too far one direction by Overcorrecting in another direction, mm-hmm. and we should. It's like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Right. <laughs> too, <laughs> thing, right? yeah, too much right. of one thing. Too much of one like thing. They're still distinct, good. but you need them both to right. have that good sandwich. <laughs> right. Is that, exactly. is that what you're kind of getting at? I, well, I think so. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it also with John Paul's Saint John Paul II, um, when he writes about uh, the relationship, the necessary relationship of freedom and truth. Like, there's a sense in which Pelagianism like highlights this this freedom, like from coming from the dignity of man to be able to. Uh, do these things, um, but and then you have the grace, which is, you know, the truth itself, like God itself, God Himself trying to give Himself to us. There's a sense of which John Paul II brings them together really good in Veritatis Splendor, which is, yeah. you know, you can't have true freedom without a relationship to the truth, without truth being a part of this. And there's a sense of, like, part of what you're saying is like when we do uh, act out of love, it's really our faith working out of love, like Galatians 5 right, says, right. right? It's this idea of our relational, um, our relationship with truth draws us into this freedom to act and to right. cooperate with this truth, cooperate with grace. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also see how, say, the era of relativism mm-hmm. in some ways is a grandchild of Pelagianism mm. because relativism basically says there is no cooperation of, with truth because... It doesn't exist because mm-hmm. I define the I define what truth is for myself, which is in a sense related to that idea of everything is dependent upon man's mm-hmm. own action, man's own 
uh, thought, will, yeah, rationalism. Every, you know, everything, everything comes out of man rather mm-hmm. than there being any relationship to anything outside of himself, mm-hmm. an objective well, and, reality. And, right. And, and I, that extends, I think also to the fact that the idea that, 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 um, original sin is not passed down mm-hmm. is kind of a, we're all a new blank slate. We're not connected to the past, right. which, yeah. right. which again, from a human aspect, kind of, kind of messes, <laughs> kind of messes up things because there is a sense in which we're all, we're all connected. And so Adam's sin comes mm-hmm. down through generation mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and St. Paul himself actually points to that and says, well, if, you know, if, if, if sin came that way, then grace, cause John Paul II in, in his first encyclical talks about how Jesus in some way unites himself with every man in becoming mm-hmm. human, which is important. Absolutely. Um, but he's the first mm-hmm. that is born. Well, he's the, it is his being born without sin mm-hmm. that, that conceived without sin that, Actually, in time, we'll have to get to that when we get to Mary, when we get to Mary. Technically, yeah. I mean, she was conceived without sin because of eternity and time. God did that, but let's get let's get past that. I've yeah. lost that train of thought. Bottom line is, is that we have to remember that we're connected all the way back to Adam and Eve by our mm-hmm. birth, and so we do have original sin. That's right. Can I read this portion yeah. from the um, the article that we're dealing with? And I just put that up on Facebook, by the way, folks, if you want to follow along. And then I want y'all to to comment on this. Um, so it says Pelagius, who, that's the originator of this heresy, denied that we originate that we inherit original sin from Adam's sin in the garden and claimed that we become sinful only through the bad example of the sinful community into which we are born. Now, what I think is interesting there is that 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 article is essentially saying, no, original sin is not the bad example that still sort of lingers in the world. It's this actual objective thing. Right. Hmm. What what's the what's the importance of of that distinction there? Because I think a lot of people would agree with I think many people might think of original sin as exactly that, that it's this ongoing bad example of the yeah, go ahead. human yeah, what, community. What I was gonna say was like one of the fundamental doctrines that this kind of displaces completely is concupiscence. That concupiscence is one of the main effects of original sin. And, you know, this is a way of us, for anyone out there, concupiscence is pretty much, like in basic terms, like our draw to things that aren't good for us, pretty much, you know. Or, or, to lesser, or for lesser goods than what we're actually called to. That's yeah. right. And and so, you know, it's one of our fundamental teachings that has effect original sin, even after baptism, um, concupiscence remains in the, in the human person. And, you know, why this is important is, you know, uh, this is something we need to be wary of and to ask for grace to overcome. It's something that we need to continually battle in our lives. Uh, like St. Saint, Saint John says, it, it, the threefold concupiscence, you know, right. if you uh, draw of the flesh, draw of the world, and a draw of to be like recognized by the world. Life, and yeah. so, so there's this sense of if that, if we're listening to scripture and we're listening to the word of God, we understand that th- this does this is a reality that we're living amongst as Christians. Yeah, so I think that's important as parents to know that because I think it's easy for us as parents to think, well, if I just create this perfect little human community in my mm-hmm. family and I, I just do knew everything right with my kids, they're going to be perfect. They're never going to fall. Everything's going to turn out great. And no. 
They're yeah, concupiscent. They're going to screw up. They're going to make yeah. mistakes. Well, that's it. So the fun you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be able to raise them perfectly with mm-hmm. nothing going wrong. Well, so the and fundamental so don't beat yourself up. Right. Well, that's that's actually kind of what flowed with where we where we went with our parenting. How mystery parenthood and, and anything we've done prior to this came from. We were involved in an excellent. Um, parenting program that's was by a Baptist. I thought it was. It's a mystery. Our kids are turned out as good as they did. Well, yeah. that, that's what it came. <laughs> that from. is a mystery. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But 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 one of the one of the things that we recognized was is, and it does flow from this. There was a sense in those people who were teaching that like if you do it the right way, then your kids are going to be. A-okay. A-okay. And so, you know, our first child comes out and we do all this stuff and we think we're doing it right. And wait a second, he's <laughs> either we're screwed up or he's screwed up because we're doing it like we're taught and he's not responding the way they said that he would respond. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time and it takes the idea of, of, of this marriage being a sacrament and that and that the parenthood is part of that sacrament, the mystery of of parents taking care of children. And if we look at God reveals himself as father and his church as mother. And what, what helped me was, okay, well, if that's what what's, we're meant to be signs of, uh, uh, visible signs of, well, what does that look like? Well, last time I checked, God had a lot of people who he, mm-hmm. you know, as the perfect father. Absolutely. Th- th- does everything right all the time, has a lot of children who deviate from mm-hmm. what he's revealed as true we're in good company yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and and therefore we should but it stems from i think this if if we do this and there, and it can lead to kind of a ghetto mentality sometimes whether it's yeah. protestant or catholic that like if we just kind of fold in on ourselves and you know have this protective layer around us then everything's going to be fine mm-hmm. oh i'm the worst about this i yeah. i struggle against this constantly and it's balance i think and that's that's again yeah Yeah. what i mean it's balance it's not that you don't protect your children but there's a time at which you you have to in god's wisdom i mean in in wisdom as god reveals to you through the grace of the sacrament of marriage that provides that you're you're appointed but god's going to give you the grace to parent your children Mm -hmm. but sometimes you have to allow them to make mistakes you have to allow them to enter into things that, but that's a that's a choice you have to make I, at different times. I, I can see myself often not helicoptering our children to their worldly success so much, but helicoptering them with their character. Hmm. Right. Like it's yeah. all on me. If I don't if I don't do it, they're not going to be able. They're not going to be people of integrity. They're not going to mm-hmm. be people of. Don't if kids, if you're listening to this. I don't really think this about you. I just, I know that I struggle that, that in myself. Right. But I, I do, I do that to myself, that yeah. it's all on me. And, and if I can just do it right, and that's going to be okay. And, and I think part of the beauty that we realized in terms of kind of looking at this is there is a sense in which we got to remember that these children are children of our, you know, <laughs> of me and my wife, of mm-hmm. you and your wife, of you and your wife. Mm-hmm. And those children are going to necessarily have, tendencies, uh, even physical characteristics at time, but, but also the way they handle situations, the kind of, you know, cause we used to always, we'd hang out with this, with wonderful couple that the kids were always well-behaved and quiet and Not everything. My and my, and my kids are like running around. Well, why can't our kids be like that? Yeah. And it took a while. And I think it's, it's in 
response to this type of heresy that says like if we just they're going to look all look the same i finally looked at stephanie and said look look at their parents that's what their parents are like Mm -hmm. their parents are kind of quiet they're 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 really holy people that that you know kind of look the part their kids are like them our kids are like us you know they're loud they're talkative you know they're hellions you know they're hellions you know (laughs) so they they don't fall far from the tree Mm -hmm. so it should convict us on the negative things but we should also remember that some of those are gifts Mm -hmm. for them specific for what they're meant to call that have flowed from us Mm -hmm. and so there's this great sense of kind of interconnectedness that's where you you lose the idea of communion of saints if you lose the idea of the communion of persons Mm -hmm. across time i think i mean uh through generations absolutely so anyway should we jump to nestorianism sure you want to tell me what that is (laughs) i know i Started by Nest. <laughs> Nestorius? Nest, yeah, Nestorius. Um, we actually touched on this a little bit last time. Yeah, and this is important too. We did. Um, but th- this is this is where they denied again, you you see lots of these things, never mind, denied that that Mary was the mother of any divinity, mm-hmm. uh, that she was merely the mother of the humanity, which it that's out there today. Yeah. I mean, it is out there today. It, and and again, it, the, he, you know, to to make that argument, you have to say there's not really one person. There's, you know, there's two. That's right. That's right. <laughs> two persons. There's the kind of the human person, Jesus, and the divine person, and mm-hmm. neither shall the two meet. When in fact, the truth is that he's one person. Yes. Two natures. That's right. Yeah, that sounds like a really. Well, what, what what impact does that have? Well, what it has it has an impact in that. We have to remember that he's 100% God and 100% man, and that the salvation of our souls, the ability for us to get to heaven, depends on the fact that he fully assumed our humanity. That's right. That's that right. God fully connected himself to our humanity in a person. Mm-hmm. And so the, what was defined in that to fight that was, instead of being the Christotokos, the, the, the Christ-bearer, the idea of Mary being Theotokos, the, the mother of God, really is meant to point, you know, people take offense at that, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's meant to point to the fact that she's the mother of a person, and that person is at once both fully God and fully man. Therefore, it's we should call her the mother of God because she's the mother of Jesus, who is God for all those transitive property <laughs> mathematicians out there. Right. I mean, it's only logical. And and uh, St. Saint, Saint Gregory Nazianzen of the early church said, what has not been assumed has not been healed. And that's like Absolutely. getting at what, what this is. That's part of it is is if we only, uh, you know, give him partial humanity, then, you know, it's not transformative of human human nature. Right. And, and Go ahead. I, I was also going to say that there's also this this point in which we have to like look at Christ's willingness to undergo. Uh, we look at the Garden of Gethsemane and we see right. that he 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 conforms himself to the will of the Father in obedience unto death in obedience. And there's this huge element here. If we just say it was kind of like you know God puppeting a man, or you know um, you know we, we get this sense of that that willingness to suffer undergo that suffering for our sake isn't it's like kind of like a it's a ploy it's like it just a show and I, and i think that's what it it does 
point to where people say, well, yeah, but he's God. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. he is, but he was fully us. The yes. church says he is the perfect man. He's the revelation of what God intended man to be mm-hmm. in his humanity. Mm-hmm. Meaning that that's what we're called to, not something that we're not. He's not a, a demigod, you know, not a half god, half man, mm-hmm. and therefore he's kind of a, a superhero, and therefore we're not called to that. Mm-hmm. In fact, he is revealing to us what humanity separate from sin is capable of, mm-hmm. and what did he come to do? Yeah. <laughs> to overcome sin, to provide forgiveness of sin, to give us the grace to actually that's right. elevate yeah. our nature. To, yep. to come in and transform us to the extent that we use what he's given to get rid of sin, to ferret it out, to use the tools, the sacraments that he's given us, recognizing that it's only through him and only by him that we even have the ability. But we do have the ability to cooperate with grace, and the fullest fullness of that re- results in saints, Mm-hmm. who on this earth have lived out and died horrible deaths like Jesus because they have totally submitted and allowed God's grace to work in and through them. Mm-hmm. So there's that, again, that tension. Yes, We cooperate. We have to cooperate. We can deny God's grace. We can push it away. We can say we don't want it. Mm-hmm. God's grace is always flowing to us, and we can say no to it. We can mm-hmm. say no to it completely. I don't want it. That would be a, a mortal sin. I have no desire for it. Mm-hmm. We can say to it partially, mm-hmm. like through a v- venial sin, and, and hang on to things that that separate us in, in some smaller sense. But the great saints are ones who eventually allow the impact of God's grace to actually flow out through them, and then they become witnesses mm-hmm. in and through their lives of the power of God's grace. Mm. Because I think I think I think it's Saint Augustine who point who points to all the people that have gone before, and basically, in essence, says, "Well, if he can make a saint of that guy, then what could he, what do you think he could do with me? I I got hope. Mm-hmm. Why does the church even propose saints exactly for the purpose of saying, look, <laughs> if you allow God's grace to work in your life fully and completely, make use of everything that Jesus has provided." for you, then you can become a saint. In fact, you're called to become a saint. C.S. Lewis, I think, is often attributed with the, you know, the only, the only thing, uh, only failure in life is to have lived and not become a saint. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard Patrick Coffin, you know, back in the, in the day say, you know, uh, be a saint, be, be what, a else? Saint, what, else, what is else is there? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to, mm-hmm. but we're capable of it. Not certainly not by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're capable of it only because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, but there's that tension. We, it's all Jesus, but then we have to we have to allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. I so, think monophysitism also um, denies that possibility of our own human nature being divinized. That that's our our um, uh, our destiny, mm-hmm. right? right. So, to share in the uh, the the relationship of the Trinity, right? Because that's in a sense, and again, I don't want to say something wrong here, mm-hmm. but that's, that is what the incarnation did to sinful humanity. Correct. Say yeah. Yeah. Say, I've, I mean, he, he redeemed humanity, right? He, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, Christ came, assumed all of human nature separate from sin. <laughs> and, 
redeemed it. He he did he counteracted what was done by Adam. Right. Right. And then made it available to us. Right. Via his via his church because of what he accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. And that's why so that's why him having fully human nature fully divine nature is it's critical. solely right. essential right. i mean it you it, you have to have it and if you look at these two nestorius and then you look at the monophysites monophysitism if you look at them i mean they're basically saying it's one person one which nature. is like it's almost the idea is almost the superhero see if you do if you if you do either of those mm-hmm. you basically put us in a hopeless state if you really think about it because yeah. even if we say we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, we know, if we're honest with ourselves, we fail all too often. We might be able to look good in front of other people mm-hmm. on a regular basis, but we're really sinners. We know that. And to deny that is the end of us. I mean, to say we're not sinners, mm-hmm. to say we don't sin is to deny the need for a Savior. And if we deny the need for a Savior, then... What are we talking about today? <laughs> yeah, and I was going to mention too, like what you mentioned was a good good insight, is that the incarnation itself in the early church was always considered uh, of having redemptive value. It wasn't just uh, just the cross. There's the, this reality Absolutely. that the whole of Jesus Christ's Absolutely. life on earth is redemptive. So um, the way in which as a sinless human nature goes throughout this world and... Uh, suffers because of the consequence of sinfulness in a way of keeping righteousness, uh, keeping holiness, keeping oneness with God throughout in the midst of these consequences is able to draw us into this life Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that what your point is critical because I think it makes sense. And we've talked about it in terms of being a parent. I mean, I don't know about y'all and I'm sure most people out there listen. I mean, you, you, most of your days are kind of planned. Most of your Mm -hmm. days are kind of moving the same people to the same places over and over again. It's repetitive and it's the same. And if, and if we look to just the last three years of Jesus's life, you know, John Paul II was clear to point that the church has always taught that everything from his conception through his passion, death and resurrection was meant to reveal man to himself. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, his 33 years, three of it were in the, in the limelight, so to speak, <laughs> up beginning to end, but third, well, there were 30 years. And in reality, from about 13 or so, when he was found in the temple and went back to about 30, that's a, that's 17 years where we don't hear anything about him. What was he doing? That's the same. That's actually something that's, that's beneficial for us as parents. We tend Absolutely. to get lost in the day to day of everything. And if we don't recognize that the incarnation reveals to us that part of being human is to just do your job Nobody's pointing at you. Nobody's saying, "Hey, what a great person you are." Nobody's doing any just of that. Play your position. You just play your position and do do that. Um, that's it. I, I, one of my favorite stories is one of the guys that taught us said, "There's you know, it's kind of a running joke that you know Joseph and Mary, and particularly Mary, you know, like, hey, son, you know, you're supposed to be the Messiah. Don't you think you like leave this whole carpenter thing and get out there and <laughs> and, and do that that's that's a, a an extension but i think sometimes we have to recognize that he's revealing to us that most of our life is probably just the ordinary stuff mm-hmm. there may be one eleventh of his life was extraordinary in terms of a human perspective mm-hmm. miracles rising from the dead walking on water 
healing, those type of things. So I think that points to a very important point that we as parents need to remember that it's the day-to-day washing of clothes, bringing kids to school, helping them with their homework, taking care of them when they're sick, that nobody else sees that's part of being holy. Mm-hmm. It's part of living a life that brings honor and glory to God. And I, just to tie in with Nestorianism and moving like moving into monophysitism uh, is Nestorianism kind of attacks the the whole divinity of Christ, right? And uh, the Theotokos, uh, mother of God, um, safeguards Christ's divinity. And then the monophysitism says it's one nature in Christ. So if he's going out throughout this life and we just say, say he, it's just a divine nature, just a divine nature as if, right, you know, right, yeah. but you know what I mean? A, a singular Only, divine yeah. nature and he's going through life and he's, you know, going through this stuff. It seems almost as if there's really not much at stake here, you know? And when we, when we take it, uh, take it as the, the fact of the, the dogmatic fact is that he had two natures and he's walking through this life and and he's growing, he's maturing as with his human nature, human soul, human will. And he's going through life and he's suffering at the hands of certain things and all like this is where we really start to see redemptive suffering. Our, our doctrine, our doctrinal understanding of redemptive suffering. If Christ wanted to abolish suffering, he would have done it, and he yeah. didn't. And, and there's, there's a there's a deep, deep, profound. There's a here. temptation to say, yeah, but he was yeah. God. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, and that's yes, that's true. Amen. But yeah, but he was human mm-hmm. and experienced exactly what that's right. All of us, all of us experience pain, let down, mm-hmm. tired. All it, of those things, and this is huge for us as Christians. To um, you, you think of of Mary as as um, as as nurturing Jesus as a child, as 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 breastfeeding him, right? And we think of this great access, this this utter approachability to God. Utter, you right. know, he he puts himself in a position of almost vulnerability to us and our wounds, you know, Humility. through his wounds. And there's a sense in which this is crucial for the Christian life because. In this, in his human nature, that's where we, we gain, like, he allows us to meet him. We encounter right. him most fundamentally. Yeah. yeah. Well yeah. said. Well, we only have uh, about five minutes. Do we want to, I think we need to pick with what we have left on this list. Do we want to tackle iconoclasm, catharism, not catheterism, <laughs> catharism, <laughs> Protestantism, or Jansenism? Anybody? Yeah, Takers? I mean, maybe, maybe we go with Protestantism. I think it's a, Timely. Huge gener- it's timely. It's a, it's a huge, um, it's a, it's a broad spectrum. I mean, sure. to, to, to lump it all into one, I think is, is difficult, I guess, at its foundation. Um, Protestantism protests against something <laughs> that, that the church doesn't recognize the church's um, authority, um, so to speak, which is the answer to the heresies, right? I mean, Jesus mm-hmm. is the answer to the heresies, but what has happened throughout time is the church has responded mm-hmm. to these heresies as they have come forward and when and at the perfect time, because led by the Holy Spirit, to address them because they're having an impact, a negative impact on her children, right? Yeah, and I, I was going to say like how, tra- like how tragic this is, and it's tragic in a in bunch of ways, but... Really, we mentioned earlier about this trust, this this trust being part of um, this expansive vision being entrusted to us, this revelation, and a sense in which we, we begin to distance ourselves from it. And one of the foundational things, we could talk all day about um, all these doctrines and throw them at each other, and it really comes down to, like, 
you know, did Christ find a church? Did he did he come to right. give us a church? And did he give us the Holy Spirit? Did he did he safeguard? It? Did he say? Did he promise something to the church? So he's going to safeguard his church from error, and we believe as Catholics that he did. And this is why it's so tragic: is that um, when we think of heresy, the root of it is that lack of trust and that foundation that 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 was a promise of Christ. Right. And and this is Protestantism in you know in a very uh basic sense it's just like we can't meet you there you know and that's what's and like and like i and you know i've talked with my kids about this and it's it's kind of a logical okay if god is god Mm -hmm. and he desires as a father i mean he's revealed himself as a father and he's revealed to us that we're children right Mm -hmm. if i as a father can say i want to help you get from here to there and and I'm going to teach you these things. I'm going to make sure that I keep pointing you back to the to the reality. Do you think he knew that the church was going to go another two thousand years after Jesus died? Uh, yeah. It, otherwise, he's not God. Mm-hmm. Do you think he knew that there'd be computers and and Instagram and Pinterest and stuff like that today when nobody could have even fathomed it? Yes. Did mm-hmm. he think all these? Of course, he knew all that. Mm-hmm. And so I always ask my kids. I mean, what's the likelihood that a good father would just kind of just push his kids out there and say, hey, mm-hmm. you're on your own. You figure it out. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know that I as a parent can't, if I'm, I can't grab my arms around, I would want to do everything I could mm-hmm. to make sure that they did it at, while at the same time allowing them to freely choose. Um, because ultimately I want it to be them mm-hmm. making that decision. Well, that's what God's done with us. Mm-hmm. And so at the foundation of anything is the the recognition for the church being that guardian and protector of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she's done throughout time. Yeah. But often the way that they challenge is they don't see that some of these things that we just talked about today are having lasting impact. Most of these mm-hmm. are like, you know, are over 1500 years old. Mm. I mean, and they're still, around you know the devil is not creative Mm -hmm. the devil is a liar and all he can do is repackage his lies Mm -hmm. that's where we are right now in repackaged lies there's nothing that we're seeing today that can't be kind of pointed to back in some of these heresies and saying this is just a natural bad fruit of a bad idea that is not recognizing the truth as jesus christ Mm -hmm. That he's the truth. And just to echo that and to say, like, you know, that concupiscence again, we live in a fallen world, and part of the tragedy is our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, you know, have perceived uh, something lacking in the church and all that. But there's hope. There's yeah, hope. hope. There is hope. Always hope. And we love our brothers and sisters That's in Christ. Right. Let's come to Jesus. And uh, we're going to end here. Uh, pray, a parent with purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.